0: I showed oh. it to my daughters and they went, you look funny. Look, you are a funny-looking guy, what can we say? <laughs> yeah, well, either that. that. <laughs> uh, funnier than usual? Or is it the the uh, old, is it Goodfellas? Uh, scene, where, what, funny like a clown? <laughs> you know, see Joe Pesci, was <laughs> yes, what, yes. what, funny like a clown? <laughs> <laughs>
1: G'day everyone, before we start today's show, just a reminder to check out Kuowee Kyoto, a watch brand that was established in the historic Japanese city of Kyoto in 2020. I love them, they're my favourite watch, they are fashion proof, they are stylish, they are incredible watches, they look amazing from a period of high quality classic design. If you're looking to get yourself a new watch, Kuowee will have something for you. Please, check them out. If you want the quality of a handmade Japanese watch at a reasonable price, they've got mechanical, automatic or quartz movements, they've got you covered. So support us through supporting them. All watches purchased from kuo come with a complimentary second wristband too, which is very nice. So check them out at kuo encom That's k-u-o-e-en.com. Anyway, on with the show. Welcome to Porsche Talk Podcast, Ajmal, we're on a roll, we've been Hello. speaking for ages and all of a sudden, twice in a week.
0: I know, that's madness, um, it must be, must be Christmas. <laughs>
1: it's definitely getting to that time of the year, Ajmal, we have a special guest, I'm about to invite him in right now. My man. Hello Bart. Hello. How are you? Super, do you hear Thank me? We
0: can you you hear you. This what? is live, this is what live podcasting.
1: Yeah, this is riveting stuff. Great to see you. Oh, looking cool as ever.
2: I was just talking to my keto because he was just came back from um from school, so that's why I'm a couple of minutes later. I'm gonna install myself like this. Boom, here we go. <laughs> you want me to take the yeah, this looks way cooler. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> for anyone, for the listeners, Bart is dressed impeccably in black as he always is, and uh, just putting on his uh, headphones as we speak because we have Bart. We started before you whilst we're waiting, so thank you very much for joining us again as you have in the past a couple of times now.
2: Yeah, it's been I think um, the second time or the third
0: time. Yeah, something like that. That time you, have- I think you're the. First guest that we're going to have on three times.
2: Well, that's an honor. That's an honor.
0: (laughs) I think the honor is ours. Yeah. So what's happening? Well, I mean, your home is always really bright. I'm always quite jealous. Bright? Bright, yeah. You've always got lots of light.
2: Oh, yeah. That's Belgium. That's always sunny, always 30 degrees, always beautiful. (laughs) uh yeah no i don't know know. i I have a lot of i have a lot of windows so maybe that's that's why but um well that that's of course that's why but uh no it's grayish and it's it's not raining but it's like a little depressing especially because i was in l.a for a month um oh um, yeah yeah we were in vegas Vegas? so Yeah. yeah
0: So yeah. I was saying to, to Mark, uh, I went, oh, uh, Bart was down the road in Palm Springs and I should have just hired a car and gone down there. And you know, the day that I considered it was when I drove past a place that was renting out Lamborghinis. And I thought, oh, you know what, I cool, rent a Lamborghini. Yeah. And, I, and I went to have a look and I thought, none of those Lamborghinis are going to make a three-hour drive. They were so awful. No I don't, I don't,
2: no, I don't think so. Well, the difference was I was in LA and Palm Springs for work and you were gambling in Las Vegas. So... It's a little bit different, of course.
0: I was there for work as well. No one stays in Vegas oh, for seven
2: days for any other reason.
0: Seven days? Jesus, that must be boring. No? It was hard work. It was, it was, it was, um, yeah. you start to feel it after about three days because all you're doing is you're wandering around inside. There's air conditioning, uh, everyone's smoking, and you, if a convention with 60,000 people, you don't go outside for days. Yeah. And you really feel it by the third day, you know, the, the dryness of the air conditioning, uh, the back of your throat for the smell of cigarettes. And if you don't gamble, you don't like strip clubs and you don't take drugs, then it's pretty boring. Yeah.
2: And I, I should
0: oh, say I'm, that I don't I don't do those things. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Tell us about L.A., yeah. what happened in L.A.? What were you in L.A. for?
2: LA was, LA was, was great. Um, you know, I, I like to go there. Um, I wouldn't say it's my, my home from home, but I, I really like to go to LA. It's always, it's always interesting. It's always sunny. It's always laid back. Uh, has it's interesting. Um, yeah. Californian vibe. Um, sometimes people mistake and they say like New York is for people who like to work and LA is, is, but I think in LA people work as well. It's just like it's a different vibe, you know? Um so what I what I did there, I, I went for a month um and then back and forth to Palm Springs. Um I, I shot my my next book, which is going to be in um which is going to be in black and white again. Um it's about people who live and drive in LA. So I only photograph people with classic Porsches who live in LA. Um yeah a little bit different than i than I used to do, so more of like like uh, because before I used to separate the car and then just focus on the car and the environment and now i, I yeah i I shot some some people in cars like just the middle of the street and, and with other people uh, passing by and and then a bus driving by and stuff like this, so I wasn't um too worried about that, so back to black after my my colour book of course which released like a couple of weeks ago. Um, So that's what I did in LA. I went to Palm Springs three times. Um, One time to just to visit Parker, uh, to relax a little bit, to uh, get creative new ideas. Then another time because I had an exhibition there. And then the third time because we had to shoot two videos, one for Hasselblad and one for uh, Everhouse. So... um, so yeah, it was a, it was a good trip, um, enjoyed it. Uh, missed the kiddos, to be honest. Uh, because around this time of the year, it's dark around Yeah, five, five-ish, gets dark. In the desert, it gets dark like three thirty, four 4.00 when the sun disappears behind the mountains, it's getting chilly and dark. So then you have a long day and long evening alone, basically, because in Europe, it's, people are sleeping. So, that's a little bit different than when you go in, in, in March or April, and then it's, it's, the days are much longer. So, uh, yeah, oh, all good. Lovely. I'm back. Survi- sur- survived this.
1: Tell, tell yeah. us, how how is the launch of the uh, book a few weeks ago gone that, you know, Ajmal is clearly a um, souring member?
2: Yeah, yeah, it was, was pretty good. I think I sold uh, over 50% already. Um, I had a little bit of a different approach, this book, and it will be the same approach for the next books, which means I only printed 250 copies, which is not much. Um, I did it for two reasons. First reason is that I, that normally I will sell out faster, which means I can move on to another project faster as well. And I'm not stuck at home with a lot of books that I have to ship and and stuff like this. So... um, and uh, uh, the second thing why I did it was if you make the, the production less large, like more exclusive, then you reach a different audience. Then you reach an audience from people who really like to collect uh, fine art coffee table books and they're willing to pay a little bit more because I'm not asking more just, just because I want to ask more. I ask more because when you print only 250 books, the cost per unit is of course, of course much higher than when you print 5000 5, books. that that's that's easy to understand um and then the paper was expensive the cover was expensive so everything all together it's it's quite a bit of an ex- expensive book uh it's 285 euros it's not it's not cheap of course but i think you get a the book is quite thick so it's a, a nice interesting book um only 250 copies so so yeah that's all good Um, and of course Ajmal is in the book so that was a no-brainer for people to order Uh, (laughs) went crazy of course went went crazy about it eh? we need flat cap driver and and a signed copy so yeah (laughs) fantastic no no I'm happy
0: yeah well I was just gonna say because I I know when we first spoke to you and you were still doing the you were kind of coming up to the end of the flat six the original series of books that you did yeah um, and I remember you saying, I just want to get I just want it done with now because it was it went on, mm-hmm. didn't it? For you as a piece of work, that must have really gone on for a while. Um, and to be able to then say, right, to me, actually, the fixed period almost.
2: Yeah, it took me eight, eight years. So one book a year. Normally it should have taken seven, but we had the COVID in between. So it was a little bit difficult to travel. Um, you know, what you get when you do a series of seven books, you, you have to dedicate yourself for seven to eight years on the same project. And I I I'm not saying it was getting boring, absolutely not, because I enjoyed it until my, my very last shoot. But the thing is, you you're stuck within this frame of doing yeah, the series. Um and I also feel like those people who are buying one book one, two, three, they feel like they have to buy Four, five, six, seven, as well because they want to have the series so um so i was happy that i was done with that book as well because you, you don't want to become the guy from a flat six love affair which you which you become uh in, in the end but yeah. i mean i want to do something different i want to do a color book just to get out of my comfort zone uh, and i with just one book um called early color when it's sold i move on to something else so and now i photographed the next book in l.a uh, which will be 250 copies as well. So very limited. Hope to sell out fast. And then I move on to something else. So um, what's on the short list is, is Japan. Uh, on the short list is uh, South Africa. Um, well, one day I have to make it to Australia as well. Um, and then um, probably Kenya by the end of next year, uh, together with Tuttle, wow. uh to shoot the rally there. And Fantastic. then make, make a book about that as well. That's the idea. We, we are talking about is now and it should, be, it should be okay. But I mean, I, I love the States and I, I can go back like a thousand times to the States and shoot interesting books. But yeah, I think for myself and also for the audience, I think it's interesting to to have a book about Japan and then maybe a book about whatever, about Norway and Sweden. Um, sometimes I think to shoot something other than, than Porsche because there's a lot of different interesting brands as well. It's tricky, of course, because the Porsche scene is very, uh, I'm, I don't want to say tight, but they're very loyal and they want to have Porsche books. But I, I would love to shoot a book about Defenders as well, like all Defenders. I think I think those people are interesting to shoot. Uh, they all look good in a certain way because they drive Defenders and they're um, one with nature or whatever. Um, it, it's different audience. Um, and sometimes it overlaps as well because a lot of people I know with yeah. classic Porsche, they like the classic, the classic Defenders as well. So, so that's an idea that I have. Um, and then, yeah, I have the portrait books. Uh, as you know, I did my first portrait book like two years ago and I'm working on the second one right now, but that's a totally different audience because I thought that all the people who bought my classic Slaughter Pair series were going to buy my portrait book as well, but that was a mistake um because it's a different audience um some people like just want to see cars and cars and cars and cars uh, and some people are into art and they want to see portraits as well and music groups and they so it's it's a little bit of a different audience absolutely so i have to focus and 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 um and concentrate myself and advertise it in a totally different way than i do with um, with the porsche books
0: yeah. So interesting, with, with, interesting I, just well. a bit, I just want to talk a bit about more about the color one because that's obviously that's your mm-hmm. your current one that's out there that you know everyone's looking at at the moment. And just the move away from obviously your very distinctive black and white style to go to color, which is I mean, I don't know what, how far were you out of your comfort zone doing that? Because you'd have to have played around with the color, the the effect, the look. For, you must have done that for ages before the first one you went, right, That that's right, that's the look I want. Well, in the end, I'm used to shoot black and white. And
2: this, this is what I love. This is my thing. Um, and when I look through a viewfinder, I try to, I'm not focusing at the colors, I'm focusing at the, the at the frame. I'm focusing at what I want to see through the viewfinder. And I try to see it in, in, in black and white. Um, and that's, that's comfortable for me. But now with the colors, in the beginning, I freaked out because I saw different colors or a red car. But then in the back was a red wall. So that's not going to work because it's red tone on tone. So I had to think and move around a little bit different. But I think it, it worked out. Um, but yeah, it was out of my comfort zone. But it, it was in the end. In the end, if you're a photographer, you're a photographer. You know, uh, it's like when you're a race driver. I see this with like like friends that I know who drive factory race drivers for Porsche. All of a sudden, they're playing around at Goodwood and they drive with an old whatever car, and they still can drive very fast with whatever car because they're race drivers. And I think that's the same with a if you're a photographer, you can shoot black and white, but then you can also shoot color. It's just a matter of um, what you prefer, uh, and I prefer black and white, absolutely. I um, it's a, it, I think it's a mistake that a lot of people make to think that black and white is easy because it's black and white. Uh, but I think mm-hmm. it's just the opposite. I think if you want to shoot black and white the right way, I think it's it's much more difficult than than people think. Uh, to, to yeah, if you want to, because you, you're you're right. not just.
0: Uh, because with the colour I, I guess you're letting almost the right colour come through in what you're presenting, but with black and white you're you're almost creating an atmosphere, I guess. Is that would that be describing it correctly?
2: Well, I, I try to do the same with the colour as well. I try to to make or to create um an interesting uh um an interesting picture, you know, regardless of the colours. Of course you you have to to look at the colors in a a different way um, than you would do when you shoot uh, in black and white. So it's, of course, it's different. Um, Also in post-production, which I I don't like too much, I like to uh, download um, my pictures when they're scanned. I send them to Germany, they they, they develop them and they scan them in high resolution, and they send me a download link. And when I have them in black and white, I just crop where I think, okay this works for layout. and then I play around a little bit maybe with the contrast uh, or with the exposure if it's under or overexposed, but that's basically it and it takes me a couple of minutes each picture basically. With color it's it's different because and I try to edit as less as, as possible because if you want to if you start to tweak with the colors then it doesn't then I don't see the, the light at the end of the tunnel yeah. anymore because then you go with the green and the yellow, and so it's that freaks me out, so basically I left all the pictures like they came out of the, the camera, basically, uh, I just played around with exposure a little bit, um, and then cropped where I, I thought it was needed, like because of course, I uh, have some pictures that I cropped into square, uh, um, but um apart from that i yeah, I kept it the way it was.
1: Um, but, did but you, it was
2: interesting. It,
1: but did you shoot the color on film or digital? No,
2: everything on film. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I knew that yeah. you did with black and white. Everything. I wasn't sure if you did continue to do so with yeah, yeah. the color shooting yeah, yeah. as well. Everything. Yeah, with the yeah, I'm using Portra, the Portra film, the 800, 400, and 160, uh, depending on the on, on the light situation. But most of it I photographed at at Portra 400. Um. So yeah, because if I shoot digital and sometimes it's tempting because of course it's, it's, it's faster, it's cheaper. Um, It's a lot cheaper. Um, It doesn't give me that look that I, that I want. Uh, And it could be maybe a little voice in my head or it could be reality. But I see when I see a picture digital or film, it it just looks different. I, I, I miss the, I miss the depth. I miss the, Grain and of course you can add the grain, but I, yeah, I miss this. Yeah, old school um, flare from the lenses, the old school. Um, yeah, how 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 the lens renders, how the out of focus, how the bokeh is smooth and, and creamy. Um, m- maybe it's in my head, I don't know, but but I always feel no, like I, I, if I should unlock, it gives it
0: much more, much more interesting. See, you're you're talking about it just like my wife gets annoyed when I talk about music on vinyl. I it's say the to same. Her, but it's just a warmer, yeah. it's a warmer, rounder, atmospheric sound. And she always looks at me and says, like, "Do you know what? Do you know, do you know how much of a dick you sound <laughs> so when I say <laughs> that to her?" <laughs> but, uh, but I say yeah. to her, "I'm right." And then I'll take something out and I'll play it. But I'm right. Listen. And um and it's that's the feeling that I always get when I when I think about it. Now I'm I'm just flicking through the book now, and um. I wanted to, see, to tell us a little bit about the camera that you used, because camera. When I saw you using it, and obviously someone came over and asked you about it, and was, you know, in awe mm-hmm. of the fact that you had this camera. Um, tell us a little bit about it, and I, I think you know I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the, tell the listeners a little bit of a story when we met. Um, but yeah, tell us about this okay. camera. Well.
2: I'm, I'm shooting most, I, most of the time I'm shooting the Hasselblad H1. Um, because, yeah, because I'm, not because I'm sponsored by Hasselblad, because I, I just love the camera. I, I'm using it for years and years and years. I just find it a super interesting camera. The viewfinder is nice. It's bright. Uh, it's medium format. Um, I find it a super interesting camera. Um, and another camera I use is the Leica, the Leica R7. Uh, which I took to to LA right now. So I use those two cameras. So 35 millimeter or medium format, because uh, Hasselblad doesn't have a, me- a 35 millimeter camera except for the for the Xpan. I'm using both. Um, but Hasselblad is super interesting. It's heavy, it's bulky. But on the other side, it's it's and it's funny because you mentioned it. When people see Hasselblad, they always think, Oh my God! Like this is something which is just came from the moon. And basically, they went through the moon uh, with the Hasselblad years ago. But yeah. um, it's an interesting camera, and I I, I always love to shoot with it. And I I change changed sometimes to the, the the 203 or the five 500 series, which is square. It's called six by six, um, which is an interesting camera as well. But for me, the H1 is six forty five um, dimensions. Um, yeah, it's super interesting. And, and I how, love the camera.
0: How 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 much is one of those worth? Just ballpark figure. How much would one of those cost if someone went and bought one?
2: Well, I don't know the H1 anymore. The H1 is is uh you can pick it up for for towards three thousand, I think. But I have the H6 now with me in the UK, and that's that's a hybrid camera, which means it's um it has an analog back and a digital back, so you can flip. Uh you can put the back off and, and put on the digital back and then shoot just one hundred megapixel uh digital images if you want as a backup or whatever. But I use it for the only for the analog. And that camera when it came out, it was like 38,000, um, which is a crazy amount of money, of course. Um and it's not um first of all, it's not that I that I bought the camera. Uh Hasselblad sent it to me to use because I, I'm an ambassador for them. Um but and it's all—it's also not because the camera is that much much better than uh, all the other stuff around. It's just that Hasselblad is a very small company, and they produce very limited pieces. And then, and then it's easy to do the math. You know, if you have a if you have a car brand only make five cars, then it's going to be a very expensive car. And if you're going to have to buy a Volkswagen, yeah. and they produce fifty million of them, then it's going to be cheaper. That's that's not too... To difficult to um, um to get your head around it, but um yeah, it's an expensive camera, but it's it's it's, yeah. it's I, very good as well yeah No, honestly, the just say the, on,
0: on on the value thing I just say that because um you were talking to somebody at caffeine in a machine um and I just heard this conversation I wasn't looking, but the person was saying, How do you do that you know you walk around with this camera that's worth so much money and you said this person you have to be confident with it and you just shouted at I turned and you threw it at me yeah and you know you think holy shit and luckily I didn't fumble it I didn't I I did catch it but you're right when when you have something so precious you have to be confident with it otherwise you don't get the value out of it what's the point of having something so expensive then right
2: yeah and and it's also a mistake to think that you make better pictures because of because the camera is more expensive because the Leica that I use um, is like, I don't know, I think the body is like three, 400 euros and then the lens is maybe 500 or something. Whatever, I think for 1,000 euros you have a you have a, you have a nice Leica or seven with a lens and you're good to go. So in the book, I use, both ca- I use both cameras and I think I see the difference, but most people are not going to see the difference between which images are from the Leica and which images are from the um, from the Hasselblad um the only way you can see it is because the like the the Leica has more grain because it's 35 millimeter and the the Hasselblad is bigger because the negative is bigger it's medium format so it has less grain um, that's the only way you can you can see it um but um but, oh, wow. yeah I use I use both cameras I, I love both um but it's always great to see when people see leica they used to see leica because you see a lot of leica um but um yeah it's not much people who are using Hasselblad. while while now with the new one um i think it's the same price range than the than the new leica so uh but yeah i don't know why people are a little bit afraid of well i'm I'm gonna
0: uh, i'm gonna get i'm gonna ask you some cool questions about the project that you're on but before we do that and Mark is probably going to say, "Remember, we're we're a car podcast." Um, I was going to ask you about because your collection of cars has changed quite a lot since the last time we spoke. And um, I mean, I think you've probably bought some cars and moved them on as well. Because the last time, I think you had, did you have a nine four four? Or mm-hmm. last time we spoke, I know,
2: yeah. had the yeah, I had like, the nine, yeah, I had the nine four four. I sold it. Um, I had the 911 uh, uh, from 71 slate gray that I still have. Um, I have the ivory white 912, um, which I'm very excited about because John Benton is building me an engine and it's going to run great, I think. Um, and then I have the 993, uh, which you saw in, in the UK, yes. which I sold recently. Uh What? yeah because I, I i tell you I tell you the story about the nine and three it's a great car, and it's probably the best looking car the best looking ass when you think about the the back of a Porsche the nine and three is probably the best you can get it's so interesting but uh taxes here in Belgium are horrible, which means uh first of all, we have the low emission zone because they want to be Green and clean, and all this kind of stuff, um, which I want to support, but then you have to support it for everything and not only for the uh, because we get punished with the cars, it's a little bit stupid. But, um, I mean, long story short, you pay 6,500 euro to get the license plates, um, which is a lot of money, and then you pay around 3,000 to every year for taxes because you drive an old car, blah blah blah. the nine entry. Um which if I do the calculation I think if I drive this car another five years, that's twenty thousand euro on top of the the price that I bought it. So I have to sell it for at least twenty thousand more than I bought it just to break even. Um and in a good year, well you're the same problem. You live in the UK. In a good year you drive twenty days. Yeah. Because all the rest of the days I'm traveling and all the other days it's or raining or whatever. Stupid weekday with traffic jam or whatever. So um, that's one reason. The other reason is I wanted to make my life more, uh, more simple and more easy. And I'm thinking one car is is really it's enough. It's enough one car because I had, at some point had three and four, and then you have the daily driver as well, of course, because you cannot drive around the kiddos in in, in, in the old car. So then you end up with four or five cars. And I'm thinking, why? It doesn't make me happier. It gives me a headache because every time you want to take a car, the battery is dead. Uh, or it, it's always something. It's a flat tire or whatever. It's always something. And, and a lot of people yeah. say it's part of the charm. And maybe it is part of the charm, but I'm 48 and I, maybe I'm getting an old guy. But it's a pain in the ass sometimes. So I'm thinking yeah. just one. And for the moment, my, the idea is to keep the 912, And if I want to have fun and drive, uh, a classic Porsche, then it's going to be the 912. And and if I need to go whatever far away for work and I have to drive for ten hours, then the 912 is not a good option anyway. Then the 911 is not a good option anyway, neither. And then the 9 and 3, yeah, could be a good option. But still, if you have to do ten hour drive, which means it's going to be three hour traffic jam at least, then you can sit in whatever yep. car. Then it's bore. It's boring. And then mm. and then when it's traffic jam and boring anyway, then I prefer to sit in a comfort, comfortable car yeah. with air conditioning and radio and phone and you know, whatever. But that's my point of view. If I would live tomorrow in L.A., um, yeah, then I would probably would be driving um, a classic car every day of the week just because of the weather. And there's also a lot of traffic jam, but I mean... Um, yeah, you can drive it just more. Um, yep,
0: and that, no, that, I agree. that's because, my yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I Cause get that with, you know with yeah. the hassle, the hassle of having when yeah. you have multiple cars. And you know my my 996 is my daily. And when I when I think, hang on, I barely drive that because mostly I work from home. If I have to go into London, it's trains. Um, I might do a long journey where I go. I might go and see family, and it's you know two hours each way, and I'll I'll do that every now and again. But, you know, since COVID, my day-to-day mileage has fallen off a cliff. You know, there's, there's barely anything. And then when you throw in, let's say you have two classics, then you go, well, actually, I have to make special provision to go and drive it in a short compressed period of time. And when you try and do that, and like you say, there's a flat tire or there's the battery, and then you go, I can't bother. Um, so for me, the, the, the joy in owning it is driving it. And if I'm fettling it all the time, I, that doesn't give me joy. No, Mark's no. probably going to say it's all part of the charm. No,
2: look,
1: look for me, in my 356, I, I've i looked, you know, we're coming in the end of the year, so I've had a bit of a look at, you know, I'm, I do keep some records of how often I drive it. And I'm up to about 63 drives for the year so far. So I, my car gets out more than once a week. But I also, my climate here, Bart, is almost the same as LA. You know, I'm, I yeah. live in a place where, but with the exception, is it probably gets a bit hotter. So when it does get quite hot, it, it does make it hard to drive. I drive my car more in autumn, spring, and winter than I do in summer. But yeah, you know, the car. It, but when it's running well, it doesn't skip a beat. And the more I drive it, the better it runs. You know, that's those old cars. Yeah. They're, yep. they're a pain in the ass if you just don't drive them. I, I find anyway. Yeah. When I, if I go a month without driving the car, I get out there and it hates me. It's hard to start. You know, it dicks around, the battery runs down, one of the tyres needs pumping up, all the things you said, you know, and then it coughs and splutters for the first 10 minutes you drive it. So, yeah, I find the – um, if I, if I drive it regularly, it's just such a great car. And like I've also got a, you know, a relative – my daily drive is my Cayman GT4. But, you know, if I go out in the garage and I can choose between the two to drive, I'll I'll jump in the 356 every time just because of the – I guess charm might not be the right word. I think it's just how dynamic the whole experience is, and the Cayman's a good car, you know. But it's just not. Yeah. Like the steer—I love a big steering wheel. I love how light it is. I love how everything's so small and pretty and petite. I just love all that stuff, and I get why you think the nine twelve is the right car because, you know, I've only, I've driven a nine twelve a couple of times, and the balance of that nine twelve to drive, I think, is actually nicer than the same year yeah. nine eleven. That's that's what I think anyway. Yeah. Th- yeah. Mm-hmm
2: yeah yeah but also it depends on your uh, family situation i think because i have two kids and they're 10 and 14 so you need a different car as a daily driver and it's a story if i would be because you have to bring them to football and then the neighbors want to join because we we have yeah, a car yeah. system so yeah. you're always with mm. three four kiddos in the car so Porsche doesn't work none of the story so you can you can try as much as you want it doesn't work so you need a different car. If I would be a single man without kiddos, then I would be driving the 912 in the summer, and then the rest of the year I would be driving whatever, 997 or 991 or something like this, and then you're good to go. Because yeah, maybe you have to pick up a chair once in a while, but you can you can let the let it de- deliver as well. So that's yep. okay. But I mean, if you have a family, it's not going to work. You always need yeah, hundred percent
0: right. Yeah, hundred percent right.
2: Yeah, I tried but, it. I tried um, it for six
0: months. I tried it for six months, where the 996 was our family and, car. And then you got, div- <laughs> and then you got divorced. Uh, <laughs> well, well uh, not to prevent divorce, we then went and bought an everyday <laughs> hatchback. But it was okay. more. My my wife hated driving my 996. She just said, I hate driving it the way it drives. I hate the way that other drivers treat you on the road when you're driving it. Um. And and also my children are getting to that age where at the time, I think they were seven and three and I would have to sit with a seven year old behind me. And obviously she's got legs, so it would suddenly you go, hang on, I'm sat on top of the steering wheel and there's a, only a seven year old sat behind me. Um, and, it, yeah. and it stopped working from that point of view when the four of us were going anywhere. But when it was just my two children and me, it was perfect. But then you're right you get stuck in traffic your the clutch is heavy the gears are sticky the you know you're always in danger of overheating there's always something happening and you just think oh, do you know what i just want it to be a little bit simpler i want it to be a little bit easier and i want to be in a car that i really don't care about <laughs> so
2: you yeah. end up with the- which is fine yeah yeah, yeah,
1: classic, classic. So um, let's talk about the next project, Bart, let's, uh, how that's coming along.
2: Well, I, I photographed a book in L.A., the people who live and drive in L.A. All the photography's um, finished? Yeah, I did it. I did it in uh, – because that's also a thing that I realized. I With the Flastic slowshare I traveled from two days to Copenhagen and one day to UK, then another day to Paris to shoot all these people. And in the end it got so expensive that I I really don't make money on a book. It sure. was like this is this is but I i just finished it because I started it. But if you go to LA for one project and you shoot a full book, then you know upfront like okay, this is my flight, this is my stay, this is my food more or less, it's gonna cost me whatever, it's gonna cost me fifteen thousand. And this is my travel expenses for this book. And then you know it's going to cost me that much amount of money to print it. So this is my cost price. And then you can say, okay, I sell it for this price, so I make more or less this money. So this is what I want to do now. I want to make two books a year, get them a little bit more expensive, but more exclusive by uh, narrow down uh, the amount of copies um, and do two books a year interesting like Japan I fly to Japan I stay for a month I come back and book is finished so like this you can um, this is what I want to try at least Um, because it's getting for everybody make who's making books they probably know um, the hustle you go through because paper is getting after the war in Ukraine paper is getting more expensive Uh, the cover is more like everything is more expensive and everything is because of the war, which I believe um, um, and don't believe at the same time, uh, because sometimes I think they just use it as an excuse because everything seems to come from, from there. But um, yes, bookmaking is just getting expensive. Um, also, the film I shoot, a, a roll of film used to be, when I started my Plexis Law affair, used to be three, four euro for a roll of film. Now it's between sixteen and twenty-two. Uh, so yeah, twenty-two euro for roll of film is like five times more than it used to be. So your cost of, of, of is five times more as well for the pictures uh, because you shoot the same amount of pictures. Um, and if you see my book, it's not like a magazine. It's it's a thick book. It's two point six kilogram. It's 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 yeah. There's a lot of pictures in the book. Uh, scanning and developing get more expensive as well and everything gets more expensive so then a book gets more expensive as well it's easy um
0: but yeah so i long, I, I tried less? the ideas to
2: do
0: sorry I was just gonna say what's the so from when you've done the shoot you have come home um what's the kind of schedule of does it is is there kind of almost a fixed period of where you do about tweaking Layouts. You sit with a, an editor or somebody or a, a publisher, and then you go. From, what's the sort of? You've been back what a couple of weeks from uh, Palm Springs, weeks, yeah. and then it's. And what's yeah. the when? When do you? Predict I predict that it'll be available for sale.
2: Well, the pictures are ready. I mean, they're they're developed and scanned. So I have them all developed and scanned. So I have them at my hard drive, but I, I didn't look at them yet. So I'm gonna wait. Uh, a little bit more and then we go then I s- go I select my pictures uh, and then I have my guy who do the layout um, and I do I don't work with the publisher so I do everything myself so then I have to send the PDF to the to the lab of course and then they they print it and then they bind it and then blah 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 all this stuff. so once that ready let's say it's like a month to six weeks to basically uh, have it from sending it to having it here at home uh, ready. Um, but the thing is, I'm because I don't work for a publisher, I'm not in a rush. I can release my next book in April or I can release it next year in, in September. Uh, that's up to me. Uh, to be honest, I only want to release it when I'm almost done selling this one. Because as you know, the profit is in the last 50 books. <laughs> not yep. in the first... Yep. Yeah. Two hundred because mm-hmm. the first is just to make if you get your money back that you <laughs> invested. Um yeah. that's also something people don't understand. I say, yeah, it's an expensive book. So yeah, but I'm still waiting to sell around two hundred and then I'm then 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 the last fifty, that's where the <laughs> money is. Um so so yeah, and that's because I do everything myself. If I would work with a publisher, it would um it wouldn't give me a headache because then you know, okay um here's the pictures and then they they print they sell they take the money and you'll get whatever x amount of money to be honest I, I i really never asked to work with a publisher maybe i should do but i, I think the money's then just too uh, stupid um yeah i don't think it's worth the, tra- the traveling anymore i don't know I, I never i never really asked so maybe that's an option i don't know i, I think maybe i'm a little bit naive when it comes to that, but I think people also buy my book because i'm I'm very and I put a lot of time in this um when people order a book i they know that i I take it myself, I take it out of the shelf, i sign it uh I pack it myself, I put in a sticker or whatever, and I ship it myself um and people yeah they text or they send me a mail um so they have a feeling that they know me which I really like because I, want, I don't want to yeah. create a distance. Um, I would, because I'm, I'm one of them. I'm, I'm, I'm in the same community. I'm just making books. I don't want to be somewhere like, oh, my God, this guy. No, I just want to be one of, one of, one of you guys. Um, and then a lot of people send me messages like, hey, it's for my father. It's, he's getting 70 years old. Can you write a message like, hey, happy birthday, Paul. Enjoy the book. So I'm doing this all by myself. Um, and it takes a lot of time, and sometimes I think, "Oh my God, I have to write something again." But it's it's part of it's part of the the brand that I try to create for myself. It's it's part of the the way I I want to do things um, because I think the world is is already too distant in a way that we are only chatting, texting, and not meeting anymore not calling anymore and then a book with a hand and written note is something that i appreciate as well so I, I want to stay close to my audience let's say it like this yeah
0: it's, yeah, uh, no, that's it's very appealing oh like. uh, yeah and it's the it's the brand thing right so that that is important to because people aren't just buying the book right they're, they're buying because it's by you they're buying it because like you say because they feel like they know you um and i think there's there's that whole thing obviously social media and things like that saturate you with all of this information and it's kind of it's there's the feeling that you might know somebody but you know how often do you get a message from them you might see what they're doing day to day but how often do you get a message that's relevant to you or they know something about you or they're talking to you so i I think that yeah that is appealing like mark said it's appealing to the community to be able to say, mm-hmm. actually, I'm I'm cl- I'm close to that brand, but I guess there's there's also that closeness to the Porsche brand, right? So if yeah. I mean that, that ad that you did for was it a 992, uh, that yeah. and it's almost like being an ambassador for that brand as well, as well as having the photography brand, um, which is really important. And there's a theme running through your all of your work. But there's also a whole load of stuff that's sort of slightly outside, you know, the portrait stuff, because I really like the portrait stuff. But, I mean, even on Instagram, every now and again, you'll pop something up saying it's from your, but I don't see a lot of it. uh, Whereas that's more of a, that's more just art on its own. Um, Whereas there's a, I feel like there's a bigger story behind all of the car related stuff. But that could be a standalone, just piece of uh, each one of those could be a, a picture on a wall, right? That's how I see them. I could, well, I could each that, one of those that, on
2: the wall. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I hope for. But yeah, the, the, the thing is, and this is the thing with social media, you have to you have to play the game uh, um, of social media, and it's sometimes it's it's, it's annoying as well. Uh, I have to be honest. Sometimes I, I wish I could live without social media, but Reality is that I selling books to someone in Australia would never never ever Know who I am if I wouldn't have like Instagram and put uh, a lot of time in Instagram, so and Now lately of course I post more color pictures from the book because I have to sell the color book of course Um but I, I feel yeah, it's like you said when I post a portrait I've this Less likes, there's less comments, there's less interaction because it's a portrait. Although I think it looks great and it's super interesting. If I post a car, then you get more response and blah blah blah. Because yeah, of course, my audience is maybe 80% uh, there for to see cars. Um, so, but I don't want to, I don't want to, um, I don't want people to think that I'm just a car photographer. But because if you see my work. So Sorry, I always try to include the owner or someone who's driving by with a bike or a dog or whatever. That makes it interesting for me. Just the cars on itself. I think there's a lot of other photographers doing better stuff than I do if it comes to just shooting cars. Um, and if you're interested in only that, then I also think that shooting analog is not the way to go. Then I think you should have really a good whatever camera with a lot of pixels and sharp and everything. And they can take beautiful pictures of cars, and there's a lot of good, 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 good photographers that I see on Instagram every day uh, taking beautiful pictures. But I feel like I have to uh, spread out a different message. Like I, I, I try to create a, a feeling, or um, um, yeah, something which is for me a little bit more cinematic, like um, like in a movie still from a movie, or like yeah. still from a 70s or 80s movie. Um, and that's what I try to do. Um, it's not that I'm I'm really breaking my head about about this, like, how should I do it? No, it comes naturally. For me, this looks the way I think it looks great. Um, and because I have a lot of uh, interesting talks about people who reach out to me on Instagram, like, uh, photographers, or professional, or amateurs, or or people who are just starting photography, like, hey, what should I do? And and I try to answer all those questions. Um, and basically, the answer is always the same. Like, you have to shoot what you think makes most sense for you. You don't you don't need to shoot for someone else. Um, because then in the end, you're gonna be you're gonna be bored. You're gonna be yeah, it's gonna be annoying. So. Because if I want to make more money, I'll just need to shoot the car alone, without the people, just the car, interesting cars, and I can. I have a good network because I'm 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 in the game now for uh, eight nine years, so um, I can shoot the most amazing cars and just put them out there and try to sell them. But it's not what I it's not what I want to do because it doesn't make mm-hmm. me happy. Um, so I always tell them like just start and stop looking on Google about what's the best camera and the best lens because. It's not going to make you a better photographer. Uh, just go out there, shoot, do your stuff, and yeah, and make a book if you want to make a book. Um, uh, but it's difficult. It's it's not easy, of course, because every not everybody, but a lot of people want to
0: shoot cars and sell the pictures from cars. Um, so, so there's a, there's a question I, I wanted to ask you actually. Well, I didn't get to a chance to ask you when I saw you which is, you know, when you're in a public place like we were, we were at Caffeine Machine or Mm -hmm. you're in, you know, you went to the custard factory with Vincent. uh, You're in a public place and you're setting up a shot and it's quite obvious that you're you're doing a professional piece of work. But someone just walks up behind you, over your shoulder, snaps it on their phone and they put it on social media everywhere, you know, and before you've had a chance to even look at what you've just done. But you've set the shot up. What's, What's your feeling about that? Because obviously this i know a few other photographers do, who find it really annoying especially when they're working really hard they might have closed a the street they might have got a bunch of people together they've created a scene they're about to take a photo and someone's just come along and snapped it throwing it, it all over social media and kind of almost undermined their work it's never going to be the same quality the same atmosphere the same angle but what does that make you feel when that kind of happens? Is that Do you not care or, because obviously you've got a very distinct brand? Or is it one of those you just think, oh, come on?
2: I don't really care but because I, I know what you're trying to say because we had this young guy uh, at Cafe yeah. Machine who was, uh, was on my back all the time and taking pictures with his camera, basically the same shots that I was taking uh, from you. With that, with that Hasselblad, and he was posting. It was, it was on, it was on Instagram before I ordered my burger. So, um, but he asked me. He was polite, and he said, "Can I, can I use it in posting?" Say, "Yeah, why not?" And I'm, I'm always thinking if I can inspire this uh, kid, and then why not? Because in the end, Mm. yeah, I I don't know. I'm going to make the book anyway um so people are not going to not buy the book because they saw the picture more or less already on instagram but i think maybe it just it, it makes me proud and it makes me think like hey probably i'm doing something interesting because the guy is on my back taking the same picture so um no it doesn't it doesn't bother me i'm always happy to help uh, probably also because i'm um at yeah, because I'm selling books anyway. You know, maybe it would yeah. frustrate me if I would wouldn't be selling books anymore. Then, ah, they're stealing my idea. But I I don't really believe in in that stuff because you always steal a little bit of an idea from someone. There, there, there's nothing to invent anymore in photography. You know, you just have to. You have your angle. You have your the way you see it. Um, because I'm not doing something new. I'm just doing something. Different, maybe, like in a different angle, or the way I see, it, or maybe I like something in the background of the car, or maybe I want something out of focus or in focus. Um But no, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me. If I can inspire people, oh. I'm always happy to help. Um, so, so yeah, I don't see. I don't see the point to hide or to. Have, hey, I know something and nobody knows. Yeah, no, uh, it's not rocket science what I'm doing. So, but uh, I,
1: I, if I can just yeah. back a bit on what we spoke about earlier with film. i'm i'm curious because the three of us are of a certain age that we existed as kids pre-digital uh, yeah before digital where most yeah. likely all three of us the first photos we ever took were, were on film right and yeah. Yeah. you mentioned just before that i think As a kid, I've never been much of a photographer. I like photography. I appreciate photography. I practice and try to get okay at it, but I I often look at my outcomes and think, what have I done wrong? I don't have enough. I don't have the eye for it would be the best way to describe it. Yet there's something very appealing about film to me because of how important getting your photographs after they've been taken from your Local photo lab or the chemist or wherever you got your film developed as when you were young and seeing them for the first time to see what the outcome is, which was always a delayed experience. And how important a shot was because you paid for the film yourself, you paid to have it developed, that type of thing. Whereas, you know, with mobile phones now, images that are captured are disposable, whereas they didn't feel that way when we were all kids. How how has that shifted for you now? Like, I don't own a film camera. I'd be surprised if Ajmal does, if he does. Knowing Ajmal, it's still the same camera he had as a kid, right? And for you, it's actually a tool of your trade now. Do you put more value on how well your shot is set up, or do you just go bang and shoot 20 no matter what? I'm just curious about that process you take and, do you treat film differently to digital? But you, uh, even though you're mostly only known for film.
2: No, no, of course, because first of all, it's expensive, uh, and second of all, you shoot um, slower with film than you can shoot with digital, of course. So um, when I do a shoot, most of the time, if I shoot 35 millimeter, I shoot two rolls of film. That's 72 pictures for a shoot. End of the story. That's I keep I keep myself like two films. That's it. Um, and with those seventy-two pictures, I have to come home and I have to choose between eight and twelve for for the book, which means it's one out of six. It has to be good. Um, when I shoot digital, sometimes I, I of course sometimes I shoot digital, and then I think I I also shoot seventy-two pictures. But then I come home, and then all of a sudden it's like. 500 or 600 pictures. <laughs> how how did this happen? Because I was thinking I only had like 70 pictures as well. But you know like clack 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 and and then something in between and 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 I and then I come home and think oh my god 700 pictures. This is so boring to go through all of them. Uh, and then you have to make a decision between this angle and this angle and then this angle which is basically all the same but it's just a little bit different. And that doesn't make me happy, so that's that's one of the reasons I shoot analog because it, it's it's cliche, but it, it it slows me down. I think more about a composition. Although it goes naturally, I I don't really see something and I'm thinking is this right. No, I, it just feels like okay this is bad. And then um yeah I I was listening to a podcast this week about something totally different. It was a musician from Belgium, and he told and he was telling like hey it basically is not about what you sing or how you play your guitar or your piano or whatever it's just like the way you play it you give your personal touch to it and and that's why people like it or don't like it uh they they're not going to judge you because it's so perfect 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 and i think it is the same with photography if you see books from photographers from the 60s and the 70s and the 80s it's not perfect it's just like but it's it's good, or I like it. Uh, but I mean, if you listen to the Rolling Stones, and if you're gonna talk about Mick Jagger as as a as a singer, yeah, it's not it's not Frank Sinatra, you know. I mean, it's a great band, and I love the Rolling Stones. But it's just the way they play, and the feeling they give you, and and the emotion they bring, and the way they play live, which makes it a great band. But of course, they're great musicians, absolutely. But Mick Jagger isn't, isn't the best singer. Um, and I think it's the same with my photography. I don't try to be the best photographer because it's, it's it, you cannot measure it anyway. And it's not my goal. I just try to make nice books. And if people like it, then great. Uh But please don't judge me about my, my technical skills because I, I don't consider myself a technical photographer. Absolutely not. That's why I like to have the, the cameras which like just three or four buttons, like, okay, this is for this is my shutter and this is to winder film and here is my lens and that's it. Uh because if
0: if it's too much buttons then it makes me crazy.
1: Yeah, great. Okay. Yeah, this yeah, gives yeah, me good
0: thought, insight. Thought, that's really interesting because um I think sometimes the imperfections make it, right? And with um how we could mark, that was a really interesting point, because of how the photos on your phone are disposable. So um, I mean when I was a kid the, the camera, the affordable camera was the one that clicked out <laughs> and he had a red button that you and when yeah. you ran out of filming it started to go it used to wind it back up. And um but recently, or well, the last couple of years, I got my daughter's um a little Polaroid. So, you know, it's really expensive to put in a cartridge that has ten in there. But I I yeah. you know, I gave it to my four year old and she's gone halfway across the garden uh ten, fifteen steps and she's taken five photos already. Three of them are of the sky. One of them said when it fell on the floor and it <laughs> shot a photo out. But the thing is you afterwards you look at them and they told a story about when she was in the garden and you put them up. Now if she had taken my phone and taken a million photos on the way up, I would have just gone select all delete. Because they don't tell a story because they're in a digital catalog that you don't sit there. So like, Oh, there's another picture of the sky. There's another bit. But when I look at it, the photos, it, you know, they're in my hand, they tell the story of that day. It, it it feels very different. I would never keep them if they were on my phone, but yet when they're real, I think of her on that day, walking across the garden and, you know, just snap, snap, snap. After I told her, look, there's only 10 <laughs> And then you know when, when the camera drops on the floor and it takes a photo you keep, you keep that photo because you could that's a really weird photo of the of the flowers in the in the garden or it's her feet or something because it fell um so it's very you tr- treat them very differently whether it when it's in your hand or it's on yeah. your phone so I, I think that's a great a great story to tell and they they'll look different I... as
2: well because if you see yeah, because sometimes I post a picture on instagram and I. think, yeah, it's just too small on your phone and doesn't really tell a story. And then I print a lot of pictures, and then I just print them, and then I they ship them to me, and then I put them in a box. And once in a while, I go through the box. But then they're like, yeah, 15 inch, inch 16, or whatever, uh, 40, 50, big, small, whatever. But it's just different when you hold it and you have it in your hand. The picture yeah. looks different, and then you see what you really intended to shoot. But on your phone, everything looks with the with the laser shop, you put on a filter and the, the yeah. screen is like shiny and you see so much stuff every day on Instagram coming by, like, you don't see the difference anymore between what's good and, well, it's, it's difficult to say because it's very personal, of course, what's a good, what's a good picture anyway, you know, yeah, a picture yeah. is a picture and if you think it's, and if for you it's good, then it's good, end of the story, but, I mean, we get an overload of pictures on Instagram every single day on social media, that you get used to it, um, and then yeah, it's interesting. I don't know How, if yeah. it's good.
1: When I, I don't know if actually ever mentioned this to Ajmal, but I at university, I did I did a degree in photogrammetry, and back then we which was air photography of the land, you know, of the earth, and we used. Back then, all the survey companies had um, big aircraft-mounted Hasselblad cameras that used nine-inch large format film, okay? So, and even still today, if I'm at a antique store and I see nine-inch diapositives that someone's kept from a project they did or something, I'm on oh, you know what I mean? It's so exciting for me to still grab these things and look at them and hold them up to, you know, adm- look at the imperfections like the lens distortion and you know having to deal with those um calculations to try and work out the lay of the land as we had to back then through stereoscopes and things like this to actually create maps is essentially what we we did it for back then but today when i see the digital air photography shots where there's auto correction on all the lens distortion and these types of things there's just no emotion to it anymore now I know it's better I know it's more accurate and that type of thing but you know that thing you talked about earlier about the imperfections Ajmal it's really for me that's what still gets me excited about seeing these old yeah. large format diaps you know that I occasionally trip over somewhere where someone had their farm photographed in 1972 or something like that you know and yeah so for me that seeing that everything wrong with it because today every image we see is so right you know i think is the character yeah. of that whole experience
2: yeah and I, that's also and i think it's a big problem uh, especially um on social media for the new generation yeah. and for for young kids or whatever or, or photographers or just starting uh if you post a picture and i and, I, have this, I still have the same problem. When you post a picture, you think, oh, my God, this is a nice picture. And you post it, and you get, like, let's say a stupid number. You say 100, say 100 comments. And then you think, you see, I was right. Because I have 100 comments, so it's a good picture. People like it. And the 100 comments are basically 50 comments, because the other 50 times you said thank you to every comment. So it's basically 50 comments. But you think you're right because you have a lot of comments. And then you post a picture which you think is really great, you have three comments and then you start to question yourself like is this, is this is this really good enough to post to my because it's only three comments which is a mind fact yeah. uh, because <laughs> maybe maybe just ended up in the in the wrong algorithm and it, it's it's gone or maybe just not the right time of the day and people are sleeping here or whatever uh, so that's something weird as well on, on social media like and i think especially for younger generation um uh, if you post something and you don't get you don't get a lot of interaction, a lot of comments, a lot of likes, whatever, it starts to make you feel like, mm, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Uh and you should just keep going, uh, and just keep posting yourself and believing yourself and and yeah, do what you think you need to do as a photographer. Um and it's yeah, I understand like Especially now it's difficult to make a living out of photography because there's so much stuff uh you can do and there's so much cameras around which are affordable uh because you don't need an expensive camera to shoot great picture it it well it was never like that, but people think it is but um but i mean twenty thirty forty years ago uh photography was 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 a, was a craft because you need to know how to load the film, you have to develop the film. You have to maybe you have to do it at home. Uh, so it took a little bit of, of time and effort to get used to it. Now you just buy a camera, you put it on on automatic, and the picture will be great. Um, I mean, in terms of, of of sharpness and everything you want, it will be it will be perfect. Uh, what you shoot is something different, and that's what a lot of uh, starting or amateur photographers make make the mistake: is they buy a camera and then they don't leave the garden. And then you end up with pictures from flowers in the garden or the dog or the kiddo. And then it's, never, it's like like, uh, yeah, of course, because it's in your garden. And if you travel, and this is a thing, you have to go out of your comfort zone. If you travel, I'm from Europe, if you go to LA for the first time, everything looks great because you're not used to seeing those kind of stuff. You take pictures of, oh my God, this looks great. Uh, so you have to move and shoot different stuff um so that's also something i try to tell them like you have to travel and and do stuff you don't see at home because i never showed in Antwerp, the place where i live and if i go out and i walk through the city and, and that's an interesting thing you should go out in your own city and try to make a good picture which is very difficult because you're used to seeing this stuff every day um uh, you don't see the beauty anymore um so um uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting,
0: it's interesting
2: thing. Great geography. advice. So yeah. you know, I it's, it's yeah.
0: always think about, you know, how social media and things like that make all of these things really accessible and you can. But also it's you're more likely to just talk, you know, scan through everything rather than stop and look at everything properly. So you scan through it yeah. and the availability of things like music on Spotify or whatever it might be, Apple, iTunes, um, because it's. So say, for example, back in the day, you bought a vinyl, right? Or you bought a set tape and you listened to it all the way through. You, didn't, you couldn't just go, I'm going to create a playlist of all of these favorite songs in there. And then what happened was, as you listened to the vinyl or tape, the more you listened to it, different songs became different favorites at different times. So you appreciated every element of an album that some artist put out as a cohesive piece of work. You didn't just cherry pick a couple of things and go, that's great. I'll move on to the next thing. You consume the whole thing and you get differing levels of pleasure at different times out of it and different levels of satisfaction. And it felt like you were getting so much sort of almost emotional value out of it again and again and again, which is why I think books, you know, like a photography book, you can look at it again and again and again, but focus on different things each time. Whereas the digitization of everything means you just go to the thing that's grabbed your attention and you almost ditch the rest because you don't have to have it go past your eyes all the time or past your ears. So uh, yeah, that's a really interesting one. But before we, before we move off this topic, um, it's the 18th of December and early color is still available. We're going to put in the comments, a link to get to it. So I don't think yeah. it's going to be available for very much longer. Great um, Christmas
1: by... gift, but probably won't arrive in time.
0: It's going to be a good uh, New Year's Eve. Well, if, um,
2: if, you, if, you live in, if you live in Europe, it's going to be there in two, three days. If you live in Australia, <laughs> then it can take a little, yeah. little bit longer. Last, yeah. whole, last time we spoke yeah. about your books coming to
1: Australia, you didn't really want to send them because they, you said they cost too much to post.
2: <laughs> yeah, but th- this is also something which I experienced lately. Shipping is getting so expensive. Uh, when people order my book in Australia, I think it's, it's 140 euros or something. To ship, um, so you have to add that on top of the book, so it's 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 crazy. Um, I, how expensive well, it's, the, it's gotten, yeah. But after this,
1: after is, the podcast, I'll give you a tip on how you can get the books cheaper to Australia. You bring them on a plane, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not at two point six kilos a book. You don't. I
2: have to make them. have to make them. I have to make them lighter. I have to make them lighter.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The the because uh, because when when you sent me mine, I think it took maybe two days or two and a half, three days to get to the UK, and then it took me and took another three or four days for it to get to me from there, and which there must have been something, some paperwork or something that had to happen and it got stuck somewhere, and you just think, oh my god, why is everything more expensive and yet shitter than it used to be Brexit. That's that. That's easy there's Brexit. That. That right. is, and I, do you know what? There's, there's something, actually, this is completely off topic. And it's about, well, it's about Brexit. But I went to the supermarket yesterday and I had my daughter with me and I said, oh, what would you fancy to eat? And she said, I want satay chicken. And I went, oh, fine, we're in a supermarket. We're in a really good supermarket. They'll do that. And I picked it up. It just said satay chicken. And I picked it up, ready cooked. And, and, and while I was in the queue to pay for it, I looked at the packet and it said at the bottom right, not for EU. And you know when you go, Whoa, 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 why why isn't that why is that not for EU? <laughs> so I start reading the back of it, and it's it's chicken satay, right? So you go, it's gonna have chicken. Only eighty 87% of it was chicken. <laughs> as soon as I saw that and I it's thought, thirteen percent satay.
1: 13% said, hey, eh? well
0: you're fine. <laughs> no, no, Because <no. laughs> you know, the ingredients are listed in order of what they're yeah, 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 yeah down. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. the first was chicken, 87%. The second ingredient so it was does. chicken fat. Chicken fat. That's still part of go, chicken. Well, the... so that, that's part of the chicken, but it's not, if it's an ingredient, it means it's been added. <laughs> Oh, I love these. I, I found that really upsetting. <laughs> I found that was really upsetting, honestly. And I had to put it back. And I said to him, oh, "You man. can't have that."
2: So you cracked me up. How was the taste? How was the taste?
0: Uh, well, I, we didn't, I didn't buy it, so I didn't want. I didn't want to try it. Oh yeah, you taught them a lesson. Oh yeah, I didn't buy it. No, I'm not going <laughs> to buy that nonsense. I mean, you know when you go, oh things are going to improve because we'll have this, that autonomy, and you go, oh right, now you've got the ability to just make things shitter. <laughs> and before, where there were rules that you weren't allowed to, um, you know, it, it, it was really upsetting. Anyway, I was going to move on to back to the topic of cars because. And, and Porsches, because I'm constantly bombarded on social media, and whatever it might be about affordable classics. And the one that's always included in the list is a 944. Bart's had one. I've never driven one. Mark, have you driven one?
1: Yeah I did a video on a, uh, yeah, a video. Turbo S, a 944 Turbo S, which is a really unique car. They have made very few of them.
0: Okay, so I've got a question for both of you then. As a affordable classic, would you say that you if, when you're driving it, both of you have experienced lots of 911s and different Porsche Porsche cars models, while you're driving one of those, do you know you're in a Porsche or is it or is it just a car from the eighties and seventies. I, oh, I think Mark, you do. You answer that first. <laughs> uh, no, you, can, you answer it first because Mark's yeah. going to give me a, a reviewer's version. <laughs> okay. No, I,
2: I always had. A, when you get in a nine four four, it feels like you, you really get in a Porsche. It has the because it has the same steering wheel has uh, a three point two from the, the same time, uh, the same year. So yeah, it feels it feels it feels really much like a Porsche, and it drives really well and good as well. It's a really well balanced car. It's a nice car. It looks really it looks great. Um, but people have this stupid idea that it's not a 911. No, of course it's not. It's a 944, so it's not a 911. But it's a great car, and it's it's a really good car for the money because you can pick one up for. 20 or 25 i mean everything between 20 and 25 you can pick up whatever 944 you want i think more or less um so you and that's where i think a nine nine sixty four or even a 3.2 or 993 is getting so expensive if you look around now you end up yeah, 70 80 90 100 euro it's a lot of money it's a lot of mm-hmm. money to to say to tell your wife like hey I want to have a car for like maybe 10 days a year to go to the beach, but it's going to be a hundred thousand. It's a lot of money. So, and a 944, even a 924, it's a funny car, 914. I love them. Uh, it's the same. Well, people are going to say no, but I mean, just, if you want, it's the same amount of fun. It's just how you, how you want to experience fun. If, if it's, if, if speed and, and, is a thing you want to go for, then, yeah, then you have to buy GT3 or whatever. But, I mean, if if you... I had a friend in the States and he had his little sticker on his window and he said, speed is just a number, fast is a feeling. And it's, I think he's right. You can have a lot of fun in a 912 going yep. 70 or whatever, 50 miles an hour and you have a lot of fun. Um, a GT3 is only fun when you go like 200 miles an hour. Uh, and where you drive, uh, uh, so it, it's what you want. But I, I think to answer your long story short, um, I think a nine four four is a great car. There's a lot of car for the for the money, and I I like him. Yeah, and you're different well, you... than everybody else. Yeah. Yes.
1: I, I, to, to to follow on with Bart, this won't be a review. Okay, Ashmel, just for the reference. Okay. <laughs> now that look, when you get in any car. The first thing you notice know is your touch points, right? And to, to exactly what Bart said, the steering wheel in your hand is 100% Porsche. You know it. It's written there right in front of you, and it feels like a G-body for steering wheel. The gear shifter feels like a 964 gear shifter in your hand. The gear shift mechanism is actually very nice. The the shifting, um, you know, is nice short throw, all that sort of thing. The pedals are in the same spot. The seats you get into the same seats that you get in a 911. You know, so there's a lot of things here that... You wouldn't know different. I would say the dash line, you know, the height of the dash when you sit in the car. And this, I'm a short guy, so it's probably more noticeable, is is higher than what a 911 is. So the actual high, overall height of the, I guess, the, where the bonnet hits the A-pillar feels a lot higher than a 911. So that's noticeable when you get in it. But it's also noticeable when you are around a corner because as much as every Porsche purist would hate to ever hear it, probably a better handling car the 911 of the same era, you know, it is, you know, straight stock for stock. These cars go around corners unbelievably well. And I still think they're incredibly undervalued as a driving experience for the money because they are good driving cars, you know, but they're not 911s. And this has come from someone that's owned a 914. So I'm, I love the kooky shit. Right. And so, but, you know, I think also with the popularity over the last 20 years plus years of the Boxster and the Cayman, I actually think 944s are about to really come into their own. But like People can are saying mm. they're already kicked a bit, but I think with the global acceptance of a Porsche that isn't a 911, growing as much as it has over the last 20 years, I think 944s and, like Bart said, 924s especially are going to really come into their own into the marketplace uh, particularly as the market's softening on those cars that people have paid a lot of money for in the last three or four years when they're at home and got nothing else to do besides go on to collecting cars and other websites to pay too much money for a car no i, I agree, they, they,
0: look I great. agree. They, look, they look great
1: as well oh yeah they're definitely a car in of an you know yeah. they, they just look yeah. fantastic in,
0: in the wrong way yeah yeah no because I, th- I think the um but you're right, because for me, it's usable performance. And it's the, you know, because, because my 996, for example, I think that's it. I, I wouldn't go any more powerful because then you're just not, you can't, you're not revving it out. You're not ever kind of touching the because it's only fun when you're kind of pushing a car to its limit. And on my 912. I lo- I love driving that car hard because you're not going that fast, but it feels like you're doing like speed, light speed, you know, like you know, on the Enterprise walk speed, and I, I I love that feeling, but you're actually not going that fast, <laughs> which kind of is yeah. is a, a win win, because it's the feeling, it's the noise, it's the smell, it's all of those things, but you're not you're not going to you know kill somebody else by coming off the road at a really high speed like I would even in my nine nine six, just yourself in an old car. Well, they well, yeah, apart from apart from myself. Um and this, and and they are, I think in, in performance and handling terms, they're probably just a little bit more forgiving because if I'm going around a bend, you know, in my 996 six and I'm I'm flat out, if I lost the back end, that's it, forget it. It's going backwards through a hedge or into a tree. Uh I'm not going to get that back. Um whereas it, you're not going that fast. Um and you know, you're probably revving higher, you're more under control. Um, and like I said, it, it's, it is it's that feeling. So for me, that's what it is. So I, I don't, you know, people are always saying, with Mark, we discussed, you know, why do not I just go and get a 991? If I sold my 912 on my 996, I'd be able to, you know, for that money, I'd be able to get one. But I think I'd just be bored because, you know, you go to the dealership and you drive something and they, they'll they just say, yeah, but it drives just like a Golf, a brand new Golf. You
1: can go and buy a Golf.
0: Then I'd go and buy a golf because I can put stuff in the boots and I can get my family in it. <laughs> I want something that feels you'd, different. You did have a golf and you got bored of that, you might remember. I, I didn't get bored of it. It was uh, My wife still misses it. It was because we were in lockdown and the dealership offered us so much money for it that it, I would have been a fool to turn it down.
1: You've, you've been <laughs> so a fool what? in the past. Why, why this exception?
0: oh well i know i know but that that one wasn't my money yeah okay fair enough yeah (laughs) that that was yeah that was different so um uh, so
1: gone yeah but you're gonna you're talking about maybe only having the 912 in the garage and you got that lovely slate gray 911 which i have reached out to you about in the past tell me um just keep hold of it till about september october because i'll be in europe then i might have to come and visit and have a closer look okay
2: it might be here by then, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's in the guys now doing some little little things, but it might might be here by then. It's a,
1: yeah, a, it's, I don't a, know. it's very difficult to get my wife to Belgium again. She doesn't like Belgium.
2: No. Well, if you live in Australia, I can, and it's also it's it's a long it's a long trip. Yeah, but no, we'll in be
1: in world. Europe anyway. And like we spend we you oh, know, yeah. like we're going to Italy and Greece and Croatia, I think, when we're there. So I might have to do, you know, a day trip or something when we're in the north of Italy.
2: Yeah, should go. Yeah, Off yeah, fly yeah. in and out.
1: Yeah, I've, been, I've driven back and forth gonna, to Brussels easy. a number of times from Italy, so I'm I'm good. So,
0: <laughs> so I, easy. I feel like what's going to happen is you're going to fly into Europe, into northern Italy. You're going to hop over the border to see Bart, buy his car, and then drive to Greece, Croatia, to Greece, Greece. to Greece via Croatia. Croatia. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's good. a good
1: idea. Sounds like a good holiday, huh? Yeah, do
0: yeah. Do it. <laughs> I don't think there's any AC though. No, no. Hey, that
1: to Yeah, that time of year, the no air no. conditioning could be a problem. Yeah, in Greece, yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> in Greece, yes.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm not sure. I oh, know we'll have to get a different ferry to get to Mykonos and Sandorini, You know, to get so it's got the car.
2: You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's, it's it's beautiful. You have to do all the small islands. It's beautiful. Yeah, we, that's yeah. the plan. That's the plan.
1: Anyway, it's been great to have you on the show again. It's with, uh, yeah, thank we don't you. want to take all your afternoon up, Bart. We understand you're uh, a busy man. We've got to get this uh, next book finished, and um, as well, yeah. give it, a, give it, give it the two second wrap. Tell us why why should people buy Bart's latest
0: book? Well, because I'm in it. Yeah, I knew you were gonna say it. That's all I wanted to hear. I, I knew, I knew he was going to say it. I knew it. Yeah. That, that, that's why I'm still like, stop with other it people just... in it as well. Yeah. Uh,
1: what would have been really yeah. good is well, about... everyone else is in black and white. Now, you were
0: in colour, Ajmal. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's. I uh, for as a coffee table book, it is. You can't not pick it up. If you go somewhere and it's on a coffee table you cannot not pick it up it's just um so i love the 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 texture i mean the paper the gauge of the paper bar i'm not surprised it costs so much money did you did you (laughs) smell it (laughs) The first thing you do when you get a new book, we all do. Of course, Uh, I did. Yeah, Yeah. as soon as it came out, that's the first thing I did. (laughs) And it's just that, yeah, the heavy gauge of it, and at the same time, I don't want to just keep touching it, but but you can't help it. And because of the way that you look through it, it's not like a, you know, a storybook that once you've read it, you put it away. It's you keep looking at it, and you and there's different. Like I said about the music, like I said about um the way we consume real photos, you, you can look at different things. You can look at the same photo multiple times and see different things. Um but, yeah, but I like that's a thing just because that's the thing that's exclusive yeah there's a oh, thing sure. with the book and with music when you go through it
2: at different times of your life, maybe in two years, you see different stuff. You do.
1: Yeah. 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 Bring some humility to the discussion. Who is what's been your favorite shoot in the book so far?
0: Except for Um, yourself, Do you know what? I'm going to be, um, I'm kind of half disappointed about it. It's it's Vincent, um, because it's the Custard Factory in Birmingham, which I know that place, because I I grew up in Birmingham. And um, my sister's a textile designer, and she used to have a studio at the Custard Factory. And also, when I was younger, that's where we used to go to go out. There were some really cool, funky bars there. And it's a real hub for artists, you know, but by the graffiti on the walls, everything just is, it's, it's brilliant. And, and when I was a teenager, I used to work at a nightclub that was around the corner from there. And that was my favorite uh, one. And I was a little bit jealous thinking, damn, if my car hadn't broken down, (laughs) I would have come with you.
2: (laughs) You know, you know, funny story. If, If, funny sorry about that shoot, is I photographed Vincent twice in the UK. First, I I photographed him down the road from cafe in a Machine. And I I still, the pictures look great because I have them here, but I didn't use them in my book because we went to Birmingham the next day and I told him like, Vincent, I'm going to take my camera, you never know. Um, And then we were in Birmingham and it looked so like, wow, different than the car. So we did another shoot and I didn't use the pictures from the first shoot. So I only used the ones from, from Birmingham, which I think turned out really great. Um, but I have another set of Vincent's car, but then just in, the, in, in nature, in, in a small road in, next to Cafe. I machine. think I saw some of those I on, post. on Instagram. Yeah. I'll, I'll post. No, I don't think, because I, I don't think I, I, I posted them. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do a set of them one of these days and say the ones who didn't make it. <laughs> yeah
0: because because i know i know yeah. we went to i mean you know when we went to that farm that we tried to i uh, asked permission to go and photograph of that farm oh yeah there's a great building around the back and, and then i thought i think we're gonna get we're gonna get shot if <laughs> we just drive in it's a great place though
1: yeah it would have been a really good location
2: yeah
1: yeah well okay then well, thank you very much guys it has been, All right. again, an honour. Great to have you on for the third time, Bart. We uh, love catching up with you. love hearing your uh, perspective on the stuff that we see and you see it through your eyes. It just makes it – uh it gives it more uh, depth of colour and, I don't know, elaborate to me, you know, when you talk about it. It just makes me think of things differently. It inspires me to go out and get a film camera when I talk to you. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to go and get one. Yeah. <laughs> Take some rubbish photos. Okay, guys. we're going to get you back on when you have the new book. Yeah, we'd love <laughs> so, to. Sounds great. Okay, thank you very much, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please okay, follow the links below to Bart's book. Follow
2: Bart on Instagram, Asma's flat cat driver. I'm Mark and Cars. Thank you, everyone.